With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, welcome to Toffee TV. This is the Toffee TV podcast. This is another episode of the Nedcam podcast with Cameron from the Mighty Blues. How are you, Cameron? Um, yeah, I'm all right. Uh, I've woken up after last night's snorefest, but yeah, I can't complain really. The sun's out, the uh, the pubs are open in some capacity, the barbers yeah. are open, so can't complain. Yourself? I, I'm not too bad, but before we get into Brighton, obviously, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning, so yesterday was the sort of the, not the end of lockdown, but we saw some pubs and stuff opening, as you said, shops and barbers. Did you get up to anything before the game? Uh, I went into town to be honest, mate, because I've got a, I've got a game of footy later with a few of the lads in goals. Uh, so I had to go yeah. into town and get a pair of footy boots and a pair of shinies and that. So I went into town, just walked around, couple of, went into the Everton shop to buy a pair of socks. Uh, they only had the paired kit and the away kit one, so I'm going to look like a melon running around yeah. tonight. But um, looked at the pubs and stuff, and they were absolutely heaving. Primark's queue was wrapped around about 350 times, um, and yeah, I just sort of walked around laughing at everyone queuing, thinking. What are you doing? Yeah. But I did want to paint, to be fair, but I had to hold myself off because I knew I'd be disappointed in the night and I didn't want to be disappointed half cut. Yeah, I can't believe how long the queues was. I saw them on, someone, someone recorded it on Facebook, the queues went right around the bloody corner. I, I got, got some boots myself, got, went and got some coppers because I just, the feel good of five aside being back and summer's happening and then and then you go home and Everton's playing at quarter past eight, again, another late match and it's just a match to ruin your day and we all ended yeah. up in bed feeling a bit feeling a bit shattered and a bit depressed, but what what was your initial reaction to the game last night? Well, it's they didn't start very well at all, did it really? I mean, I was walking around town, like I said, dead happy mood, went and got me boots, everything sound, got me shinies, mm. and then goes onto my phone and sees that Gabamon's picked up another injury and he's going to be out for what was possibly at that time the end of the season. And I sort of just sat and thought, I'm not having this. There's not a chance. And then you get to quarter past seven when the team news is released, no Calvert-Lewin, no Alan, no King, five out of eight substitutes have not had the Premier League minute. Alex Awobi is the only senior player and... Let's be honest, he doesn't have a lot of impact when he comes on. So yeah. I, I sort of, I wasn't excited from quarter by seven, to be honest. I knew it was going to be a long, long, long night. Um, and that's what it was. It was just boring, wasn't it, mate? It was just 90 minutes of just absolute bore snooze fest. It wasn't good to watch whatsoever. I think we had one shot on target and it was a hammer shot from the tightest angle. Even for James Rodriguez, who's an exceptional footballer, it was the tightest angle. Um and nothing else really happened. I mean, if Brighton were half decent, they'd have won that game. They had the most of the ball. They were creating chances. They just couldn't finish the dinner. Um, and we weren't yeah. threatening at all. Mina goes down and then the tears are just fully shred, you know, going everywhere. And I think season's done now with all of these injuries. Yeah. But again, I didn't expect much from quarter past seven when I seen the team news. And, and, it, and it wasn't much, was it really? I mean... It's just a poor performance again to add to the long list of poor performances this season. I said to you last night, didn't I? I said if if Brighton had any end product, and that's been their problem all season. They play really good football. I mean, they had twenty three shots on, they had twenty three shots and three yeah. on target. They're the end, they've got no end product, and 
And if yeah. they did, God knows what the score would have finished. But I, I, I mean, I said to Baz for the game, said, I'm just hoping for a 1-0. I can't see many goals being scored today, but we can somehow get yeah. a scrappy set piece, a scrappy goal and, and knit the game. But listen, we didn't create enough. We just... As soon as I saw that lineup, like you said, you're not feeling too confident, are you? I wanted to go back and change my toffee picks, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't uh, It wasn't great to see. And, and look, when you've got a team and you've got no fit midfielders, apart from Tom Davis, and you're playing six defenders, I hate five at the back anyway, let yeah. alone there being six yeah. defenders there. Um, I just knew it wasn't going to be very entertaining. I knew it would be a case of just see if we get an opportunity and take that chance. Obviously, Richarlison up front on his own and isolated for the majority of the game. Hammers dropping into defensive areas and picking the ball up, which just baffles me, absolutely yeah. baffles me. Um, and that chance just never come for Everton. And, and, and like I said, it was just it was just boring to watch, wasn't it? But listen, we've got a massive, massive game on Friday now and, and our season is, is in the, the hands of Friday. I still particularly don't think that we'll finish in a European position at the moment. I don't think we've got the consistency or the luck on our side injury-wise. Um, but yeah, again, it was just, it was just awful, wasn't it? Yeah. Awful to see. I mean, you're sort of looking at it and, you, and you're thinking... Where's the energy? Where's the intensity? Abdelay Decore comes out of this Everton team and there's nothing, nobody running around. It's all good having footballers that can play footy and are decent with the ball at the feet. But when none of them can run, what's the point? It's like, well, it's like we counter-attacked. Like, it's like watching walking football yeah. at times. I counter-attack yesterday. I've never seen a team as slow as Everton in the counter-attack. It was it was like veterans five-a-side football, wasn't it? They were just knocking it around. You thought it was. You're about to thought. I was, I was thinking all the shorts would start falling down in a minute. It was an absolute mess. And a lot of the time, it looked, every time going forward, it looked like a a kid's school. I, I really don't think there was there was not much conviction going forward. I really don't think they had much of an idea what they were doing, to be honest. And no. I like Sigurdsson as a split striker, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sick of him playing in midfield now. I, I know there's not much option there, I and mean, we had to put Allgate in there yesterday. But when you're playing when you're playing Sigurdsson in in the centre midfield, and Hammers is in there as well, and he drops back. Sigurdsson's a similar type of player to Hammers, as if he's, he's not a runner. He's someone yeah. you want close to your striker, and he wants runners around him, he wants legs around him, because he's technically a good footballer, but he's not—he's not like an athlete, is he? And when you've yeah. got Sigurdsson and, and Hammers in there, you're just taking runners out your team. Yesterday, we were, we were far too slow. Yeah, but, well, that, that, that's it. So that's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's why you don't want Hammers in front of the centre half picking the ball yeah, up exactly. because. He's not going to take on four or five men and get it to the edge of the box. He's not that type of player. We yeah. didn't buy him as that type of player. No one's under the illusion that he is. So when you see Hammers dropping so deep and picking it up off Michael Keane, you see your head's in your hands thinking that's the attack gone because he needs to be up there. What What's the point in Davis and Sigurdsson playing behind Hammers if Hammers mm. is having to drop back and pick that ball up there? You may as well just cut out the middleman and tell Davis and Sigurdsson to stay at home and just have Hammers in there. It'd be great if Hammers was that player who could pick it up, run forward with it, make you know, a progressive run and take four or five players on and get it to a good area. But he's not that type of player. You want Hammers on the edge of the opposition box, swinging balls in or getting into areas to shoot. And when he's in front of our back line, he can't be there. Uh, and like you said, when, you, when you've when you got a midfield who, off the ball, have got about as much movement as my wallet stand that's sitting next to me here, you, you're not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna go well for you. Put it that way. Especially when you're coming up against the Brighton team who have got players in the midfield who moved up. Basuma just had. He had a field day yesterday. He had an yeah. absolute field day. It was comfortable for him. But I reckon it'd be comfortable for me playing against Everton at the moment because nobody runs around. Nobody moves. There's no movement there. And it's all right if we get a lucky break or we get a corner and I don't know, Mina or Keane heads it in or if Calvert Lewin's on, he heads it in. That that's fine. We're winning games like that, but we're simply. 
we're just not good enough at the moment, mate. And we're not going to win many games like this. And to be honest, I'm not looking forward to Spurs whatsoever. I'm really, really not. You mentioned Basuma then, didn't you? He stuck out like a, like a swollen thumb, didn't he? Yeah. How much did he cost him? 15 million? 10 million? Something like that? He's one of them signings that you're just thinking, why are we why are we missing these? Players like yeah. Lamptey, James Justin, Basuma, and then there's players out there like Sangari, who uh, PSV managed to snap up. Why are we missing yeah. these these types of players? And we're, we're signing a Wolby <coughs> for 30 million. That absolutely baffles me. Yeah. But you mentioned Gabama before, and I... Th- it's just, it's just it's unbelievable. I was I, I was hearing rumours a couple of days before the game or a day before the game from on on Sunday night, and you're just thinking the, the look of this lad is 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 so unlucky. But yeah, and I've seen I've seen a lot of people slating him, saying oh get rid or he's he's a, he's a liability or he's made a glass. It's it's been described as a freak accident. It's got nothing to do with his with his recent injuries, has it? Is is someone's fell on his knee or tackled his knee? Or he's done his knee and whatever. So yeah. weird. And the club have said out. I've come. I've come out and said it was a freak injury. So, what 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 would you be your next move for Gabamin? Would you think he just needs to get fit and come back strong again next season, or do you think he's just his career's just finished? Because I've I've seen a lot of people that just want him gone. No, I think I think we have to be very very patient with Gabamin, and ultimately we have to stand behind him and support him. This lad isn't choosing to be injured. He's not choosing to go into training. No, it was described no. by the club as a freak contact injury, which is basically a posh way of saying somebody's hit his knee and the dog club yeah. don't want to go, come out and go, oh, Ben Goffrey tackled him and he's done him in because then it puts the pressure on Ben Goffrey then. So yeah. it's clear that he's gone in for a tackle or something's happened in training and then there's been contact and that's forced the injury. Um, for me, the next step is just get fit and you know get a full pre-season under his belt and hopefully be ready to be part of this squad going into next season. I mean, I know Carlo came out yesterday and said that his season's over, but even before that, when there was murmurs that he could be out for the season, but he might return, I think I sat down on one of our live streams yesterday and said, even if it's an injury that keeps him out for two weeks, I don't want to see him again this season. He's not ready to be seen again. He's not fit. He's not match fit. Don't don't put him in, even yeah. if he retains the fitness. Don't put him in again this season. Just let him have the weeks training that he needs, months training, a little bit of a rest in the summer when every when all the players go to to the internationals, and then get a proper preseason under his belt. Um, what I would say about Gabamin, I'm not, I don't, I don't think it's a case of I'll sell him or get rid of this that and the other. Like I said, this lad must have gone through as much mental sort of issue as he has physical issue in terms of I can't even begin to imagine how hard it is for him as a footballer to have just come back from 600 days out literally be insane in a week and pick yeah. up another injury that's going to see him out for six eight ten weeks something like that so as a fan base the, the, getting on his back doesn't do anything it's not going to bring him back it's not going to make him fit at any time soon so we just have to simply stand behind him and support him and say you know what get back to fitness soon and when you're back we look forward to seeing you like I said for me even if he returns from injury before the end of the season, which I don't think he will, don't play him. Give him that rest and time. Let him have a full pre-season and go again in the summer. What I would say is Carlo Ancelotti said something really, really interesting in a press conference a few weeks back. He was asked about, completely unrelated to Gabamon, he was asked about midfielders and do Everton need another central midfielder? And I think his answer was something along the lines of, uh, well, it depends really if John Freely Gabamon comes back and he can fill in that space, then no, we don't. If not, yes, we do. What I would say to that is still go out and sign that central yeah. midfielder that you've got in mind because you can't rely on Gabamon because ultimately 
if Carlo comes out and says, if Gabamon gets back to fitness and has a brilliant pre-season and, and yeah, great sound, it's uh, fit for the start of the season, and then Carlo and Marcel Brands come out and say, yeah, we didn't sign him in midfielder because Gabamon's ready and he's ready to go, and then three weeks into the season, he picks up another long-term injury. Everybody's just going to be on his back as to why didn't you just sign the player? Go out, sign the player, and then Gabamon could be an extra on top of that. It also takes the pressure off Gabamon when he returns as well. But look, it's sad, mate, but it's Everton's luck, in it? It's literally, I, I looked at my phone today, uh, yesterday, sorry, when I seen it, and I just thought, that's pure Everton. That, that's mm, Everton yeah. all over. I mean, what other team has as many injuries in as many different positions as we have at the business end of the season? Uh, what other team has a player come back from 600 days out and then gets a 10-week injury three days later after playing 15 minutes and in a contact injury in training? It's, it's almost getting to the point now where we're sort of sitting there. I, I think um, I think Peb might have said it on his instant match reaction yesterday or on Twitter. I don't want the players training before Friday. Just don't go into Finch Farm. Just sit at home, mm. sit on your couches and don't move and then turn up at Goodison on Friday because, you know, it seems that we left the Palace game with no... Well, Alan should have returned according to Carlo. No issue with Calvert-Lewin. No issue with Gabamon. No issue with King. And we've come into the Brighton game with all of those players out injured. So... I mean, what, what can you do? Players are getting injured at Finch Farm in training and in contact injuries. What what can we do? I mean, it's got to the point where we a 23-year-old made his debut for Everton last night. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, he, and he, re, he replaced Tom Davies, who's playing in the Premier League for, what, four or five years, and he's the same age. I was thinking, no, no way should we be left with a situation like this last night where we had all kids yeah. on the bench and stuff. But listen, we've, we've heard other teams more about their injury crisis this season. It's costing leagues or whatever. And I don't think we've played the same team t- two games in a row since the start of the season. Our injury list has been so un- so unfortunate and so unlucky. But it's honest to go out and get get better replacements. In. We need we definitely need another decor because as soon as we, he took he got took out of the team, the just the energy and the legs just absolutely decreased. But yeah. you know, Carlo said in his in his pre match pre match conference as well that we could see Decore again before the end of the season. So, how much do you think we've missed him so far? And how much do you think we missed him last night, especially? Oh, massively, mate! Absolutely massively. I mean, this is a lad who is a good footballer, good with the ball at his feet, decent passing range. But he hasn't. I don't think it's it's mad to say because of how much we miss him. But I don't think I've the like. If you sat down with Decore now and said, "Do you think you've had your best season?" I think he'd say no. I think he'd say, "I've got to improve on my passing. I've got to improve on." Uh, he's given the ball away a couple of times in dangerous situations in games. Yeah. But just having that player with that pure energy and that engine who doesn't stop from minute one. So I'm I'm convinced he runs home after the game. To be honest, I'm mm. convinced he just he just gets his jogging gear on and runs home. Having that type of player in the team is vital. And I said it last night after the game. I talked about Niles Nkunku, and I know Niles Nkunku hasn't got any Premier League experience and there's no guarantee he'll come on and change the game. But we could pretty much have guaranteed he'd have come on and ran around yesterday. And sometimes just having that energy and just having someone to run up opposition players. Brighton weren't worried yesterday. Brighton's defence weren't sitting there when a Wobie come on thinking, oh my God, there's a Wobie coming on. Whereas if Nkunku might have come on, they might have thought, what we do know about this lad is he'll run at us and he'll he'll force us back and he could get in behind, so you've got to watch him. We were slow as anything yesterday and, that, and all, that's what the core he brings when he's in this team is he brings that energy in midfield that allows James Rodriguez to not really have that much energy. It allows his quality yeah. to be to be shown and his lack of energy, if you like, to, to just sort of be carried, if you like. It allows Tom Davis and Alan to be those types of players who are good on the ball but don't really have the off-the-ball energy. If anything, Matt, it just shows how important Decore is to this Everton team. Even a Decore who sometimes 
his passing mightn't be great, it shows how important just having that player that can constantly run around for 90 minutes and have that energy is because we haven't got anybody like him. Well, I've said before, Decore is not perfect. But a, a, a bad Decore or Decore on a bad day is so much better than having no Decore or having someone in there like... Yeah. You know, like a, a mix of good players, like good individual players, like Sigerson and Gomez. But when you put them all together and you, there's no legs in there, then the, the midfield is literally just it's it's like it's like a big one big ghost. That midfield is the might as well not yeah. play anyone there. But I've, yeah. you know, I think at Watford, Decore he shines so much. You just get getting the ball and getting forward and making dangerous runs in the box. I know he he didn't score a lot of goals in the last season for Watford, but he certainly scored more than he scored this season. Mm. But I think that's yeah. mainly because we. But because we've had not had the greatest right hand side all season, we've seen a lot. We've seen them most of the time covering right back, haven't we? Or sitting so deep where we should. If we had a right back, a bit more defensive cover, or a player we can get up and down, then then we start allowing him to get higher at the pitch. That's just another thing that a right back would bring. But but yeah, for me, to get into Corey back is before the end of the season is so crucial. It could it could decide whether we're getting to Europe or not. Hopefully we do. Yeah. But even for me, I'd go out in the summer and, and I'd sign I'd sign the next Decore. You know, you're, you're 20, yeah. 21 year old. There's players out there who's similar profile, big, fast, tall, powerful, athletic. So for me, it, it, he's he's such a good player. But we need we need another player like him because obviously, obviously, I've seen if you take him out the squad, then there's no legs in the squad. There's no energy. Yeah. yeah. Well, ultimately, you need two players in in every position that can fill in that void, like yeah. you said, when the core, and not just for. When the Corey comes out with an injury as well, we knew the Corey was going to pick up an injury. He played that many yeah. games this season. He played that much football. We all sat here, I'm sure yourself, Ned, and Ped, Baz, we all sat here and said, it's only a matter of time before he pulls mm. up with an injury here and how are we going to cope without him? And ultimately, it happened. And when it happened, we all sort of just went, yeah, knew that was coming. We knew he'd pick up an injury, a hamstring injury or something like that because he played that much football. Same with Dom earlier on in the season. We sort of sat there and thought, Dom's going to pull up at some point here because he's played that much and he did. Yeah. Um, and you need to be able to have a player that doesn't just come in to replace a Decore when they're injured but can come in when Decore's played on a Saturday and we've got the derby the next Saturday. If we've got Fulham in between on a Wednesday, you need somebody that can come in and fill that that space and say to the core, hey, right, you're going to sit out of this one because you're going to get a little bit of a rest ahead of... You can't just have... In the, in the same ways that you can't just have one player in a position, we can't bring in a player that is all right, good enough to replace the core. Mm. But we need somebody that's on that same level so that they can chop and change, so that the core can be on the bench for one week and the, the player that's coming in can be in the team rather than just... Burning Decore out until he's injured, and then being like, "What do we do now? We've got nobody to replace him." It's rotation. It's like yeah. it's like we saw him. He, he got rested. Was it in the Rotherham game, the FA Cup, where we were, yeah. went a goal down or ended up going into injury time at one-one? And we he had, had to, to come on and score the had, goal. Yeah, he, he had to come on. It's like we shouldn't be. We shouldn't have to do that rotation. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it was a few. It was like a few days or about a week before he got injured. But I think Baz said to me. Oh, Decore is the only player who's played every game this season by the one who's suspended. Like, so he's, he's he's the only one who's not been out injured, and then yeah. and then obviously he's been out for the, almost all the season. So thanks for that, Baz. So Baz is cursed. Yeah, Baz, Baz is doing in Everton. So obviously we saw another player, a, a crucial player in my eyes, in my opinion, went out for. He's got probably going to be out for another few weeks. Was it Armstrong? Yerry Mina last night. Did he pull his Armstrong yet? I don't know if it's Amsing or Groin. Yeah, Groin. Yeah, yeah, it might have been a Groin, actually, because he, he overstretched him for a slide tackle, didn't he? Yeah. But do you think that 
might change the way we have to set up on Friday because obviously I don't think Michael Keane looks great in a back five. We might have to put Godfrey and Holgate in there. Maybe Keane can go in the middle, but me and us are probably our best centre back to be honest. So do you think do you think that changes the way we might set up on Friday? Uh, yeah, I, I think it does force us to make a change, certainly currently with the uh, injuries that we've got. I mean, obviously, we don't know whether uh, Alan and, and Gomez will be back in the team. Hopefully, they'll be back fit. But at the moment, I think you're likely to see um, Godfrey and Keane at centre-half with maybe Holgate back in the midfield again because we haven't got any other option, really. And to be honest, I don't know, I'd rather see that than Gomez in there because Gomez doesn't really provide any energy whatsoever either. He's not... You know, he's not a player who runs around off the ball or does tremendous amounts of work. Uh, and Alan, in recent weeks, hasn't been as good as he was at the start of the season because he's come back from a long-term injury. So, uh, I think it probably does force us, but I do think Carlo, at the moment, seems to like that five-at-the-back formation with the wing-backs. And, look, Tottenham are a very, very good team, so it's going to be a very, very difficult game for them. Yeah, you you mentioned it before about Nkonku. I mean, there's a player that might allow us to make sort of a change, maybe push Dean back to left-back or put him in left mid, just to get some more runners in there. I don't know what it would do for us defensively. But on the other side, we had Coleman. Coleman's, Coleman's been brilliant the past two games. I don't know. I know he's playing wing-back, so he's not been... He's, we're not we're not using him that much. He's not getting up and down the pitch, like right up and down the pitch, the whole length up and down. I don't know if, he, if he'd be fit enough to play Tottenham on Friday, whether he's whether we're overusing him, obviously. We, we, I think the most we've seen him play was like three games at the start of the season, ended up getting injured again. So mm. I don't know whether he can keep playing that position... Or we'll have to eventually make a change. Maybe put your Warby in there on the right. But yeah, for, for me, we definitely need, we need to think of something where we can make a change and get some more legs in. Maybe put an extra man in midfield just to try and outnumber Tottenham because Tottenham do play five in the five in the middle, don't they? And they're really not a possession team, but they're a team that can certainly catch you on the break. And Jose Mourinho is that team. That, he's that sort of manager that will let the other team um, have possession, and get you on the break. You know, we, he does that so well, but we do that as well. So it'll be interesting. Whether because we're at home, maybe we'll let us have the ball more, and and we know what happens when we're in possession and we can't create anything. We just get we get done on the break, which Jose Mourinho does so perfectly. So it's 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 strange to see, think how it's going to plan out. Obviously, we beat them twice already. Whether we can do it for the third time, I don't know. Especially with you know the injuries we've got. You know, hopefully Pitford's back. We might Dominic Calvert-Lewin might be back and Allen. But are you feeling confident on Friday? Do you think we can go and get the win? Um. I don't know, to be honest, mate. Tottenham, are, uh, as much as Tottenham have thrown games so uh, at recent times, and you know the, the Newcastle game and um, you know other games this season, I just think they've got a lot of quality in their team. The likes of Son, the likes of Kane, um, even the likes of Lamella, who, who can come on and hurt teams. And yeah. Everton at the moment don't seem to have any energy or, or anything about them whatsoever to go and beat the teams at the bottom end of the table never mind the teams fighting for Europe I think this is a season defining game to be honest certainly in terms of European qualification so Everton have to go out and win it or have to go out and, and perform um, but I'm a confident I'm not mate I'm never confident at home this season at the moment because we're dreadful we're absolutely dreadful um, especially coming up against the team who you know you look at Tottenham the other day against Newcastle Newcastle got 1-0 up yeah. within two or three minutes, Tottenham have turned it round, Harry Kane's turned it round, a couple of goals. You have to ask yourself, do Everton get back into that game? Have Everton got that uh, that passion, that energy, that spirit to pick ourselves back up and get back into that game? Or do we sort of just sit off and, and let it happen? Um, I don't know. I'm not confident whatsoever, if I'm being honest, mate. Yeah. I suppose it's down to who scores first. And on Friday, I think if we nicked one, we could sit back and try and ride it out. Or And if, if, if they nicked one, you know, it's, 
typical Jose, Jose Mourinho, park the bus and, and ride it out. So we're so inconsistent and so unpredictable, unpre- but unpredictable. No one knows we, we'll probably go win the next two games. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Maybe being being a bit overconfident, but that's 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 us. We'll go beat the big teams and then we'll struggle to beat teams like Brighton and Palace. But yeah, won't surprise me. I'd, yeah, just we've got to keep counting down the days of the summer to be honest and get this dreadful yeah. season over with and look forward to get some summer signings in and obviously hopefully we'll start seeing some activity over at Bramley Moor. Are, are you excited to see the first shovel in the in the ground? Yeah, obviously, mate. I think it's massive. Um, it, again, very emotional time. Obviously, when the stadium news was announced, because you sort of thinking now, oh, there's it's the the ticking time bomb now on on how long we've got left at Goodison. I mean, yeah. I haven't been at Goodison for over a year, and to think that we might only have two or three years yeah. left there is is a horrible feeling. Um, but Bramley Moore is, is desperately needed for the club, for the future of the club, um, for the aspirations and ambitions of the club. Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait myself. I, I really can't. Do we need to improve and, and become a better team going into Bramley Moor? Yes, we do. Hopefully, we're some form of challenger, whether it be for Champions League or titles or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't wait. It's been a long, long time coming. Four or five years in the pipeline. The presentation from Everton was fantastic. And it left no unanswered questions. And that's exactly what we wanted. We wanted the situation where the government and the council couldn't say, ah, but what about this? And we go, oh, we've been yeah. sipped up there. We needed every question answered and it has been. So I can't wait, mate. I can't wait to see what the stadium's like. Um, but I know from a lot of the comments on our streams, I'm sure yourselves have had it. Don't worry about the stadium. Worry about the team at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully we can be a better team going into Bramley Moor. Well, we saw with we saw with Tottenham Hotspur, didn't we? They, they, they were never really a... I mean, to my eyes, they were never really a big, big club. Nobody really was bothered about Tottenham. They were sort of the same boat as us. When we're under David Moyes, we always sort of finish around the same places in the table, and then it's sort of like the this, you know, they had this new stadium, and they're all like oh, they're friends with NFL. They had this big documentary on Amazon Prime, and suddenly like Tottenham haven't won anything. I, I, I know they went got to a Champions League final, and Pochettino sort of revolutionised the way Tottenham played, and they, they made them into a really good team. But it's like Tottenham have become this suddenly this much bigger club over time into this big nice new yeah. stadium do you think that's something that can do that can be done for Everton or do you think it's got to be backed up by the way we play you know we need maybe obviously need to go win something before we move out of Goodison Park because it's been far too long for us of course 26 years 27 years now so do you think yeah. do you think it'd be so important for us to get to maybe win a trophy before we leave Goodison or do you think we've just got to back this new stadium up by yeah. obviously obviously making improvements in the way we play, getting the Champions League, and hopefully that can make us into a bigger club. Well, a bit of both, to be honest with you, mate. I mean, Carlo was asked a few weeks back, back what's the most important for the club's future, a trophy or Champions League, and he said, well, for the project and for the future, it's, well, Europe, he said. Um, but for the fans, I understand it's a trophy, and not being alive 22 years, I've been going to Goodison over a decade consistently as a season ticket holder, and I've never seen Everton win a trophy. To think mm. that we could leave Goodison without a trophy is heart-wrenching, mate. It's absolutely heartbreaking. So I think it's a bit of both of you to say, you know, again, look, it's, it's as an Everton fan at the moment, I, I had this argument when we were still in the quarterfinals, people saying, would you rather top six or win a cup? And it's like, win a cup all day, top four or win a mm. cup, win a cup all day. Unless we're winning the league, I want to win a cup, even second, I want to win a cup. Um... But you then sort of think, well, for the progression of the club and improving and becoming a Champions League sort of team, you know, we don't want to be moving into Bramley Moor and mid-table side, losing to Fulham at home, no disrespect to Fulham. Um, 
you know, we want to be able to be consistent and being up in the top top ends of the the table. Uh, but I suppose also you want to be winning trophies as well. I mean, for all how good Tottenham Stadium is and how brilliant the you know they were and they got to a Champions League final, they've still won nothing for a long, long time. Not as yeah. long as Everton, but still for a long, long time. So football's about trophies ultimately. It's about winning things. It's about winning silverware, and Everton are desperate, desperate for that. Uh, but I also think that. We need to build and build and build this squad because ideally we want to go and be going into Bramley Moor as a challenger, as a team that everybody looks at and goes, watch out for Everton this season. Now, I said this morning on our stream, pundits are saying about Everton, yeah, I'm not worried about them, they'll fall off and we're all jumping on it going, ah, what's this, what's that, why is he saying that? But it all ends up to be true at the end of the day. You know, yeah. look at recent weeks. So, yeah, I, I think it's a bit of both. But for me, we need the, we need the trophy before we leave Goodison, mate. I need the trophy as an Everton fan before we leave yeah. Goodison. Well, you, you, we're we're about similar age, aren't we? Early twenties, so it's 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 so strange. I mean, it's like Everton's become a completely different club over time. Obviously, we listen to our parents, and it's like, oh, we've seen so many trophies with such a massive club. Yeah. But like, like my glory days were David Moyes. <laughs> I I really I really missed the David Moyes days, like the you know the the late the late tens or the, and the early tens. It, it was so nostalgic. But the, that's because you're seeing it at West Ham now. Yeah, but it's like, but our parents look back and think like, oh. The David Moyes era was rubbish. We were just mid-table all the time. We had no money. We didn't win, win anything. It's like, get out. We were brilliant. It was, so, <laughs> yeah. it was so good to watch us. We were so stable. And, we, yeah. and even though we were skins. But obviously, we've not seen us won a trophy. And it's it's crazy thinking that, you know, we're meant to believe that we're some sort of big club. And, and obviously, we do believe that. We know we're a big club with our history. But when when you've not seen us win a trophy, it's, it's so disappointing. It's like, yeah, what what... what why aren't we? Why aren't we winning trophies then? It's been twenty-five years without a trophy. We're meant to be some big club, so it's. And that's obviously not. I'm not saying obviously I know we're a big club, but then you look at other fans that obviously people look at us and think Everton or Everton. You see these people on Twitter, mourning us all the time, saying why do Everton think there's some sort of big club because we've not won a trophy. Obviously, our generation haven't seen us win a trophy. We look at yeah. us as, as you know the David Moyes team, the, the mid-table team. So yeah, that, that trophy for me was so much more important, but. Obviously, you said before about getting Europe. We're going to get Europe, and then moving to the stadium. Then it needs to be backed up by Europe, Europe every season, and then getting the yeah. Champions League and sustaining it like Tottenham have done over the past three yeah. years. So, well, that's it. I mean, Everton could finish in the Europa League this season, could finish in a European competition, but it wouldn't make us a consistent European challenger. It just mean that we'd ended up finishing in a, in a European position in a bad league, in a, in a in a bad season for a lot of teams, and we'd taken yeah, exactly. advantage of that. It uh, wouldn't mean that, right, we're finished in the Europa League now, which means we are a European challenger every year because we could go and finish 11th again next season. We have yeah, to get absolutely. that consistency. Um, and that consistency is part of the future and something that's desperately, desperately needed. And that's what we had with David Moyes. And that's why we enjoyed those times so much because we hadn't seen league titles. We haven't seen yeah, FA exactly. Cups. We've only seen Everton being consistently decent. And at the moment, I take Everton being consistently decent because we're consistently bad at the minute. Yeah, exactly. Finish off then. What's your what's your score prediction for Friday? Um, yeah, look, I'm not I'm not excited for it. I hope to be about four points down before kickoff. To be honest with you, but I'll never predict Everton to lose. So I'm gonna go with two all draw, goal score and draw. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really not confident. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not feeling too confident. I don't, I don't want to be too optimistic. I said before, it's whoever gets the first goal. So I'm just gonna go for Everton one nil. But yeah, I'm. I mean, we saw we saw a. I mean, it was a nine-goal thriller last game against Tottenham, but yeah. I can't see that happening again. So I'm, I want to go one-nil Everton. Hopefully, off a set piece or something. But I said before, isn't it? It's, it's we're so predictably unpredictable that we'll probably go and win these two next big game. Oh, I'd say next 
two big games. Arsenal and Tottenham, I think they're both rubbish. They're both crap, but they're, you know, they're big teams anyway, but we'll probably go and yeah. beat them. But yeah, there you go. Thanks for listening to the Tovey TV podcast. Cameron, thanks again for joining me. Go and check out Cameron's channel, The Mighty Blues, on YouTube. It's brilliant. And uh, yeah, thanks for watching. See you later.